Welcome to the forum at Holy Communion. We're hosting a particularly important conversation this week. During our COVID uh, lifetime now, this it's nine, 10 months that we have been living in this alternate virtual reality of social distance, we have found that a number of families and individuals are facing questions of aging, questions of aging in place and placement in care facilities. And we're going to have a series of conversations over the next year about ways in which we as a community can help resource those decisions um, and help folks make informed decisions about next stages of care and of life. We're really privileged to have in our congregation somebody like Denise Carpenter. Denise has accompanied several of our um, older members as a friend through this process of making decisions, and it is her professional world. Uh, She is a social worker with expertise in these questions. We would encourage you, don't face these questions alone. Reach out for help. If the church can be a resource to pray with you, uh, to help and help you connect and find resources as you're navigating these questions, it can be a difficult thing, whether you're facing the care of a parent or you're facing your own increasing health needs. We encourage you, don't walk through it alone. Don't let this time of social distancing be a time of social isolation. Reach out. Reach out to clergy. Reach out to Denise. Reach out to your friends at church, to your neighbors. Let us walk with you through these hard times and know that you're not alone. Thanks so much for being with us for the forum. And here's Denise. Hello. Welcome to Holy Communion. My name is Denise Carpenter. I'm a medical and geriatric social worker, and today I'm going to talk about how you can care for a patient in the home. First of all, you need to decide if you can actually care for this patient at home. One firm fact is that no one person can provide 24-hour care. It is physically impossible. If you have other family members that live there, if you're able to hire someone or if friends or family can visit on a regular basis to help, then it may be possible to provide 24-hour care. Now, of course, not everyone needs 24-hour care either. So if they don't need 24-hour care, you may still need some help. Some ways that you might get uh, help are to hire some assistants, have skilled home health under the doctor's orders, hospice, and of course, as I said, family, friends, Someone who can roll the patient over must be pretty consistently in the home. If you cannot roll the patient over, if there's not someone present most of the time or nearly all of it that can roll the patient over, then you cannot care for the patient at home and you need to think about a nursing home placement. Uh, 
So I mentioned Skilled Home Health. Skilled Home Health is provided under a doctor's order and it is focused on the person's medical needs related to whatever diagnosis that the doctor is referring for. The staff that come will be related to whatever those needs are. There is often nursing. There can be physical, occupational, or speech therapy if those are needed. There can be a social worker. So if you need the social worker for any reason to find out about community resources or anything at all, don't hesitate to ask for the social worker. The doctor very rarely uh, refuses to order a social work visit if the family wants it. And also, so long as the nurse or physical or occupational therapist are coming, they can also send a home health aide who will help with baths and can also change the sheets on the bed. All of these personnel, when they come, will most likely stay about an hour or a little less and they will do their work and they will leave. They will teach the patient or the family to do the tasks that need to be done to take care of the patient because home health usually only goes for a short period of time, at most uh, a few months. Now, sometimes it is for longer. A person that has an indwelling catheter, the nurse may come once a month forever to change the catheter. A particular form of home health is hospice. In order to go into hospice, the doctor must say that the, that the person's expected lifespan is less than six months recognizing, as everyone does, that the doctor does not have a crystal ball and that it is impossible to know exactly how long a person may live. In the doctor's best judgment, the prognosis needs to be less than six months. Also, any active treatment to try to cure or eliminate the disease process has to have been discontinued. So anything like chemotherapy, radiation therapy, blood transfusions, things like that need to have been stopped. Hospice focuses on comfort. They cannot guarantee you that there will be no pain 100% of the time, but they will do their best. And they care for this type of patient day in and day out. So they are knowledgeable about the options for alleviating pain and they will do their very best for you for that. I want to encourage you too, if the doctor has ordered pain medication, sometimes I find that patients are reluctant to take the pain medication because they are afraid that it will sedate them and they will become confused. And that might be the case for a short period of time but the body adjusts and then they will be alert again. 
the doctor is really counting on the patient to take the medication that has been ordered the way the doctor has ordered it. That way, as pain perhaps gets worse, the dosage of the medicine can be increased. And each time the patient may go through a short period when they're not as alert as we would like, but they adjust. If the patient does not take the medication the way the doctor's ordered, then the pain may eventually become so bad that they have to flood the system with medicine and the patient may not become alert again ever. It is important to follow the doctor's orders. Hospice will provide any equipment that's needed, a hospital bed, a bedside commode, oxygen, whatever this particular patient needs. It covers all the medications that are being provided. It covers nursing services. And the nurse may start out, if the patient's doing fairly well, just coming once a week or something. And then as the patient's needs increase, the nurse will increase the frequency of visits. There is also always a social worker that comes to assess the situation, make you aware of community resources that might benefit you, and also to provide some supportive counseling. Chaplaincy, there, most hospices now do have their own chaplain that comes to visit at least once, unless the patient and family refuse. That chaplain does not want to get signals crossed with the family's own clergy, of course, but they can come for a brief time, meet with the patient and family, and then it's always up to the patient and family if they want to have the chaplain come again. In some cases, physical occupational therapy are provided. But if so, it's not geared towards getting the patient back up being independent and going off to work or recreational activities or anything. This is for the patient's comfort. But imagine yourself, if you were lying in bed a large part of the time, you would get stiff and so forth. So therapies may be provided to maintain the patient's range of motion, which is a comfort issue. Once the patient dies, the hospice provides some bereavement follow-up, and how that is handled varies depending on the the hospice. We have some services here in Missouri that are provided through the state. One type that's very popular for people that have Medicaid, not Medicare, Medicaid. You have to have Medicaid to get this service. And it is personal care and chore services. And you can call the Division of Senior and Disability Services at the phone number that I have listed there. And they 
ask for intake or explain that you're calling to request personal care chore services and they will get you to intake. As I say, you have to have Medicaid and there's also a thing that you have to be a quote, nursing home level of care. The criteria are very complex. I've done these assessments, I've done them so much that they're in my head and I can run through the questions and areas and know for sure whether somebody qualifies. But pretty much it's impossible for anyone to determine that except an employee of the Division of Senior and Disability Services. Title Three chore services, and this applies mainly to the city. You don't have to be quite as debilitated as for the personal care chore services under Medicaid, and you also do not have to have Medicaid to get this. It's covered through a, quote, Title III, a particular law block grant. And so in the city, there's the number that you can call and uh, arrange for this, or I should say request it. Often the waiting list is very long, so expect to wait perhaps six months, even longer. In the county, I believe they use their Title III services primarily for personal care and it's so inadequate that generally speaking, it's not uh, a realistic referral. So I didn't even put that there. Home delivered meals. Now, if you call this place and you ask for Meals on Wheels, it's a little like asking for Coke in a restaurant that serves Pepsi. So go ahead and ask for home delivered meals. That city number there is the number for the St. Louis Area Agency on Aging, and they will take your request down for the patient that lives in the city. And I believe that under the current pandemic conditions, or maybe not even that, it may be a permanent change, that instead of delivering the meal every day, that they just bring a stack of frozen meals once a week. So there is a need for freezer space to do this. In the county, that number is basically the area agency on aging for the county. However, they now call themselves aging ahead. And they will tell you which senior center in the county to call in order to arrange to get these home delivered meals. While I'm at it, since I've just mentioned the St. Louis Area Agency on Aging and the Aging Ahead in the County, I wanted to be sure to mention this book. It's called The Older Adult Resource Guide. And you can get it for free if you call these numbers and arrange to go by and pick one up. If you have them mail it to you, they probably will have to charge for the postage, but it's an invaluable book. I would be unable to 
perform my role without it. It's basic equipment for me. It has lots of resources, lots of information. It's just fantastic. So I'd highly recommend getting one of these if you are trying to take care of a patient at home. It's very helpful. You may need to hire someone. One way to hire someone, of course, is to use a, an agency that we have many, many of these agencies in the St. Louis area, many, many, far more than in most areas. We're not really sure why that is. I've put down the names and phone numbers of a couple of agencies that I have been assured are reputable. And they're not, they're not cheap. It's pretty expensive. But remember that this organization, this agency, is sending you someone that they're assured has the proper training to meet your needs. They are sure they've run a background check, a criminal background check, other types of background checks. They have trained this person, they supervise this person and help to resolve any problems. If something, I certainly hope this doesn't happen, but if there would ever be a suspicion that the worker has stolen something, for example, you have that agency behind you to resolve the problem. If your worker gets COVID-19 or is quarantined, or gets the flu and cannot come to work, the agency is responsible for finding someone else to send. It's useful to have this. You will not find any professional in a hospital or nursing home or anything willing to refer you to a private individual. They will only refer to agencies because the liability is just too great with individuals. As, a, as an individual though, should you choose to direct hire someone, and I have their caution, please be careful because you do not have an agency behind you. You can call this number though that I have there. It's the Family Care Safety Registry and the in-home agencies will have already contacted them for anyone that they send. But if you are considering directly hiring somebody, you should call that number and ask if the individual you're considering hiring is registered with them. If they're not, they should be and so encourage them to do so. In order to be listed on this family care safety registry, they do run a criminal background check and so forth. And they will let you know that the person passed that. So at the bare minimum, if you are considering hiring an individual that you may have heard about by word of mouth, which is the way most of that goes around, please at least call the Family Care Safety Registry before you hire them.
There are many community resources that can be beneficial to people who are caring for a patient at home. I already showed you the Older Adults Resource Guide, which I will give another plug for. Please get it. The Society for the Blind has always been one of my favorite agencies. Now it's actually, the full name is the St. Louis Agency for the Blind and Visually Impaired because not many of the people are actually completely blind. But their position is that a person that is completely blind should be able to do everything you or I can do except drive a car. And they have all kinds of gadgets and training and ideas that can help the patient to be more independent. It's, they are fantastic. They have mobility training to help people learn to ride the bus or collar ride or whatever they may be able to take. They have as I said, a gadget for just about every need under the sun. It is free, the services are free, do not hesitate to contact them. The Alzheimer's Association, and here again, it's the St. Louis Alzheimer's Association, and there's the phone number. <clears throat> they have a lot to offer. They can help you by listening, for one thing, if you call them when you're feeling frustrated or tired, you can call and they will just listen. They can also access, inform you of other resources in the community. They have lectures and training programs that they provide for families and also for patients that have early disease and are not so demented that they can't benefit from the meeting. And it's extremely well done and extremely informative. They have lots and lots of caregiver support groups and some patient support groups for people with early disease. It's not just Alzheimer's disease either. The full name is Alzheimer's and Re Related Disease Association. So there's other types of dementia that they help with. Memory and Aging Project. Again, full name, Memory and Aging Project Satellite. If you call that number, which actually is the St. Louis Area Agency on Aging, their staff will come out to the home, either in the city or the county, it's not limited to St. Louis City, and do an assessment of the person's cognitive status. If you're wondering if someone is having some memory issues, that's a way to get them tested before you start looking for a neurologist. Uh, a frank conversation with the person's doctor is also in order. That's very important. But the information that the Memory and Aging Project provides can be helpful to you when you do talk to the doctor. And it used to be that if you had Alzheimer's disease or dementia, that there really wasn't anything to be done about it anyway. 
it's not like that anymore. There are things that can be done. So it is important to get a diagnosis if you suspect a problem. Also, the Alzheimer's Association's training can help you and the patient to cope with the disease in a way that enhances the patient's independence. Mm -hmm. Parkinson Disease Association. If the person is diagnosed with Parkinson's, please contact them. They have a wonderful packet of information that they can send out, lots and lots of information. They also have a quarterly newsletter that comes out, lots of information in there too, lots of tips about how to cope with various problems that may occur. I think most of you are probably familiar with the Peregrine Society because our parish has been a supporter of the Peregrine Society for a very long time. Wonderful agency, they serve people who have cancer, any kind of cancer, and they have lots of resources. One thing that they definitely provide that's a big help that's not covered under insurance usually is Ensure or Boost or a similar substance. And if you have a need for those, which often as people get cancer, their appetite is less and the doctor's recommending that they drink this, then call the Peregrine Society, ask them what type of supplement they have available, and then ask the doctor to write a little note and, and fax it over to the Peregrine Society that he, the doctor is recommending Ensure or Boost or whatever the doctor is, rec is recommending because the Peregrine Society usually only has one kind at a time. And then the Peregrine Society will start to deliver it and it's free because people use it at different rates and they could never keep track of that. It will be up to you to call and ask for a new delivery when you need one. Sometimes you get a choice of flavors, but sometimes not. The Elder Hotline is where you should call if you suspect that the patient is in danger. And it's not really very much help to call otherwise, but if you do believe that the person is in danger, they will send a worker out to, the, to meet the patient and to discuss what resources may be available. As long as the person is alert and oriented, that person will make their own decisions, whether or not you think they are good ones. And the worker may try and try to get the patient to agree to certain things, but if the patient refuses, it requires court action to do anything over the client's objection. So do not think that this means that they're going to come and take the person out of the home. That really only happens when they're not alert and oriented and there's good reason to believe that the care being provided is inadequate and cannot be made adequate by knowledge of some additional resources. That concludes my presentation. Thank you.